and welcome to today's episode of Tranquil Awakenings with me, Debbie Ison. On today's episode, I'm going to be chatting with Tanya, who is a counsellor. During this conversation, we're going to be discussing different types of counselling, her journey of becoming a counsellor and a counselling trainer, and also we're going to be discussing toxic parenting. I hope you enjoy today's episode. So welcome Tanya. Thank you. I have asked you to come here today and have a chat with me all about counselling. Now I met you in August last year and you came to do your Reiki training with me. I did. And what I really enjoyed was our conversations during the break time and you were telling me all about counselling and your passion really shone through and also your vast knowledge of the subject because not only are you a counsellor you're also a supervisor and you run your own training college yep. um, and you run courses sort of that are reputable for like the NCS and the BACP and you do children and adolescent counselling, you focus on trauma, there's all different things that you offer. So I really just wanted to have a chat with you today about counselling because it's a type of therapy that a lot of people go down yeah. when they've got issues and problems. So I'd like to know more about it. Yeah. Okay, where to start? That's the thing. It's such it's a broad topic. Over Absolutely. to you, talk about it. I know, <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think at the moment, like now, it's, it's becoming more and more um, acceptable, isn't it, to it go is. for counselling? Because obviously, I mean, 10 years ago when I trained, I, I mean, I didn't really know much about it myself, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I just... Um, because I was doing my degree in psychology and I just came across a course out of interest because I, right. I like to study, as you do. Yeah, and I uh, didn't at school, but <laughs> as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just came across this course and I just really enjoyed it. Okay. And it was just an introduction to counselling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the fact that I did really well on the assignments kind of like thought, well... That's always a motivator, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to look into this. So I did and I trained um, and then I just... From there, I just decided to add every tool to my toolbox that I could possibly get. So I did my so I did my training in my level five, um, and then I did my CBT training, so cognitive behavioural therapy, uh, children, adolescence, creative imagery. Um, what else did I do? Um, couples counselling, which I that's not something I'm passionate about. Just to make that clear, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really a fan of couples counselling. So. I teach it and I send them off to the people that I train. And that's yeah. the thing as well. Like I've got my particular niches and yes. specialisms because obviously I'm a trainer as well. Yeah. So I tend to focus on those now with my clients because it got to the stage where I had <laughs> too many different clients in too many areas that I decided it's best to sort of specialise more. And then I've yeah. trained up lots of other people to a very high standard that can take on those other areas. Yes. And that's so rewarding, isn't it, as a yes. trainer, that you know that you've been able to share that knowledge and then those people are going out there and helping lots of other people that, with the best will in the world, you just haven't got the time or the capacity to be dealing with. No, no. Plus, I, it's like having two children in a room. <laughs> so I, I just, I get, I, it's, the one, it's the one time I have headaches after right. sessions yeah because of the constant bickering mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah so that is an area that i trained in and i will train others in but i won't do myself even yeah no um 
so I do have a what one of my students who trained uh, in couples counselling who absolutely loves seeing couples. So we do need couples counsellors. Definitely. And they, I send them all to her. Anybody that comes to me. So I think she's got five couples at the moment. So That's yeah, and she's loving it. She's loving it. And she's so good at it as well. So. And that's the thing, we've all got different specialisms and different areas where we really, they, they, where it resonates with us really. Mm. And it's great that you can see that within somebody else and nurture it within yeah. them and it can help them with their career. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and she's, she's, a, she's, what, she's been a counsellor for about, I don't know, maybe a year, 18 months. So she's doing really well. And it's great that I can send, in fact, she's going to be one of our tutors at some point as well. So oh, teaching lovely. the couples counselling course because, you know, she's got, loads of experience just from the last six months or so yeah because I've just sending everybody and that's great isn't it I think when you're a therapist you get so much experience when you're mm. seeing genuine real clients you go through your training you start yeah. to develop the skills that you need but then that real experience comes when you start having real life people and real life situations and you can't necessarily plan for it it doesn't always follow the textbook no and through that experience you get to know about yourself but then you get to also get lots of additional tools and techniques and ideas that then you can use to help even more people. Yeah, yeah, it is really good. Yeah, it's 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 nice. It's a nice feeling. Um, and and being a supervisor as well is even it is really rewarding because you get so much different you know variety of what Bet. they're bringing. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I've got one supervisor who's I just. I mean, they're all my all my supervisors are great, but <laughs> but she's just she reminds me of me. Yeah. So she's just crazy. Um, <laughs> but she's what she brings to the session. It's like I don't know how she attracts the t type of clients that she gets. Yeah. So she, it's all complex. Mm -hmm. She doesn't get. I mean, I remember her getting um, one client that had anxiety and depression. She was like completely flummoxed. She's like, I don't know what to do mm -hmm. because she's. And I said, Is it because she's so used to? all the complex like bpd the uh, borderline personality disorder yep. those type of things and she's like oh my god yeah so she doesn't she just forgot how to deal with the you know not basic yep. but the the more the less complex and that's the you get used to the type yeah. of clients you're working with and i know i've always tended to attract what some of my friends say is the bizarre and complex the sort of head scratches that other people don't know what to do yeah. with them so they pass yeah. them on to me and that was from day one really of my career and I remember it was about two years before I got anybody that came to see me for a phobia. And I was like, wow, I haven't wow. done this since training. Yeah. And yet it was so simple to rectify. But that completely threw me yes. because I was like, oh, is that all there was to it? And um, it, was, it was a different type of skill um, that I yeah. just wasn't used to. That's interesting. That it was two years before somebody came with a phobia. I know, because like, obviously with hypnotherapy, You'd think... you think that's one yeah, of the yeah. main things. Obviously people are starting to be aware that it's got a much greater scope but yeah. when I started out a lot of people would still think smoking cessation yes. weight loss phobias and fears and habits yes which I do do a lot of that work still mm -hmm. um however a lot of the work that I do there's more complex scenarios going on underneath, underneath yeah I mean now a lot of my work as well is in sort of PTSD and trauma mm. and it's linked to other issues but it's just fascinating sort of how complex we are as human beings know, right? and how many different skills are needed to help different people yeah 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 and it's, it's amazing I mean I always think it's amazing how like what's going on in your on, in the mind is affecting the body as well yeah and you don't 
you don't realise it. No, and they're completely linked, aren't they, <laughs> the mind and the yeah, body? Yeah, it makes what... sense. It does, doesn't it? it <laughs> it's part of the same system. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, because um, I, I, I get anxiety myself and um, and I should, should not be admitting this on the... Uh... <laughs> but you should be admitting this because... No, I mean, I mean the bit that I didn't recognise what it was. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm trained to, you know, deal with anxiety and that kind of thing. And then when it was happening to me... Because I was, I was getting chest pains, so it was... Right. Yeah, so I'm straight away, I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. So, you know, linked back to my fear of dying, <laughs> which, you know, it's inevitable, so I don't know why I'm scared about it. But, yeah, but yeah and it turned out, yeah, when I've, and I felt like a right idiot when they said, it's anxiety. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, it can't be. Because how did I not see that, the connection? But you don't always see things in yourself, and I know if I've ever got an issue that comes up, even though I'm a therapist and I've got lots of skills mm. and I can use them on myself yeah. normally very well, you have blind spots and weaknesses when it comes to yourself and you don't you do. always recognise things in the same way like you would as a client. Yeah. So I tend to work with another therapist if I've got something that I need to shift and deal with because it's that, it's that detached perspective mm. that can allow it to open up and to be seen in lots of different ways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's bonkers. So... Obviously, you said that you've suffered from anxiety. Yeah. What have you put into place now then to help you manage that? <laughs> okay. Um, so the one thing that helps me, um, I mean, my son, if he ever like notices that I'm, because I, I tend to have like, I get a bit short of breath sometimes. Um, okay. And that's, that's what, what can be one of the, uh, my, my son will say, breathe, go ring grandma. Oh. Yeah, so my mum my can, she's very good at uh, sort of just grounding me, I guess, mm -hmm. getting me out of my own head. But one of the things that I found does really help is um, watching like action movies, like Marvel movies and stuff like that. Awesome. <laughs> it's just like a complete escape. And it, and it was some, I mean, I love watching action movies anyway, but it was, um, I was going to watch, I was going to the cinema to watch Avengers Endgame okay. when it first came out, and I was on my way driving along to Lincoln, going on my own, because I'm a loser. Um, but, you know, if you don't go on your own, you're never going to go, are you? So, um, and it was sold out, but halfway there, I just had an anxiety attack. Um, but I pushed myself to go, and for those three hours it was on, Yeah. I felt normal, <laughs> fine, yeah. until I walked back out the door, and it was like, hit me again. But it was like, for I thought, ah, oh, well, that helps to know. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, so I tend to, yeah. And I think we're all so unique, aren't we? It's finding what works for us as individuals. Mm. And I think I, I know from knowing you the small amount that I do know you, because we've actually only met, what, about two times? Yeah. Um, you're so busy in your mind all the time. We're quite <laughs> similar in that respect. We're always <laughs> learning. We're always striving to do more. I think for you to have that opportunity to just sit, but to be focused on something is probably what you need just to allow your yeah. system to reset every now and again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'll even have... Um... Like, well, I've been writing modules this week. I've just been sat with the, the telly on and I've had, like, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. running <laughs> background. <laughs> just keeps me. Yeah. Well, that's great, isn't it? That's what works for you. That's, and, and this is the thing as well with counselling. Um, you know, we can put in all the your breathing exercises, your grounding exercises, all those kind of different techniques, but I always work with the client as well to find out what it is that 
can help them that they've already potentially got there already yeah. that they've not really thought about. Because often we do have resources that we pick up on and a lot of my work is obviously identifying what resources are unhelpful and then doing something yeah. to make them more beneficial. Yeah. But it's also getting the client to recognise that they've already got skills and yeah. strengths and abilities in areas of their lives. And if we can take those skills and transfer them onto the thing that was the issue, yeah. we can then create coping strategies and different ways of dealing with situations mm. to give that freedom and flexibility. Yeah, and that's often the case that they've they've, they've got it there, but they've forgot. Yeah. Because of what's going on, they've stopped doing the things that they enjoyed doing. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's like reading or going to the garden, gardening or just sitting in the garden, or just simple things actually yeah. would be really beneficial and even just you saying that that's really reminded me of how much I enjoy going in the garden because mm. obviously you've seen now I've, I've got quite a large garden now, <laughs> yeah, now I know, yeah. and when I get out there I love it and I like digging and I like lifting rocks and doing lots of things that I probably shouldn't be doing for my sort of stature <laughs> but it just being in that fresh air yeah being surrounded in nature sort of grounds me and it gives me that escape for a bit but because mm. I'm busy because I'm being active out there it doesn't feel like I'm just wasting my time yeah but I haven't been doing that for a few weeks because it's so bitterly cold at the it's moment it's not the nicest so I think I probably do need to wrap up and maybe get out in the garden a bit more so thank you for that <laughs> that little like comment there sparked that in me yeah well see I've got since I've moved I've got like a what we, we, what we call it the veranda because it sounds posh <laughs> <laughs> but um, the idea was to get a couple of rocking chairs and me, me, me and my mum were just gonna she she made of some quilts you know yeah. like um uh embroidery Mm -hmm. And we sit out there with the the quilts on, you know, sitting there drinking, well, in the, drinking tea, whatever, you know, whatever time of day it is. I mean, obviously, during the day we don't sit there drinking alcohol, but um, but in the evening, you know, and I've noticed when I've been sat, because I'll sit out there with a cup of tea in the morning sometimes mm -hmm. and just looking, and I didn't realise <laughs> that magpies are not just black and white. Yeah, they're beautiful, aren't they? They've got oh, a they're nice just, shimmer. They're like a yeah. purple and a green. Yeah. And I, I would never have known that without being having the veranda and sitting in the garden and just watching. It's that opportunity just be to be mindful in the moment, isn't it? Absolutely. Even if you can just do it five minutes. But yeah, I was fascinated. It's magpie. Oh, I mean, they're noisy and horrible, but <laughs> <laughs> but the colours are beautiful. <laughs> yeah. But that's yeah. So being just being out in yeah, being mm. outside. So you've told me, obviously, what clients that you don't tend to work with. So not yeah. a fan of doing couples counselling as a counsellor yourself. So what type of clients do you tend to see or what do you specialise in? Um, well, I kind of like what well, I like, but um, I, I like things that are a bit more complex. Mm -hmm. So you sort of like, you think, oh, this is something to really work with. <laughs> you know, not that I obviously want people to be... No, but it's, it's really nice, isn't it, to come from a point where you've got a client that has had awful experiences and mm, really difficult mm. situations. Yeah. And to be able to think, do you know what, I know where to start with this or there's something I can do to help them shift. And you recognise as a therapist, you can't change somebody's past. That's mm. happened to them. But what you can do is you can change their perception of that past. Yeah. And give them a more positive outlook for their future. future. Yeah. And that's really rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so yeah, you know, trauma is a lot of, you know, a lot of past trauma and things like that. And 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 as I was saying before we we started, that it a lot of it the trauma it comes down to like narcissism and mm -hmm. and a lot of narcissistic parenting. And and you've you're doing your masters. Have you done it or are you doing it? I'm doing my masters. And you were telling me that one of your assignments that you've just done is on sort of 
that toxic parenting, toxic parenting yeah. and that narcissism. So can yeah. you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, well, so I know this is, and I'm doing my masters because I've got loads of time on my hands to, <laughs> All this time. to do this. Yeah, and the and the assignments are not like small; they're like eight thousand word assignments. Yeah. Like that's half a dissertation. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what's really interesting was when I was we we it's a reflective course, so we're getting to choose a lot of what we write about. Oh, amazing! Yeah, so um, I we would yeah we would it's a reflective model, and we had to choose something that we were just like quite interested in. Um, and I had put forward about toxic relationships. Um, and my tutor had said, well, you need to like, that's a wide scope. What about? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I was thinking about toxic parent because what I see a lot at the moment um, is in, in my own clients and in my supervisees' clients, mm-hmm. there's a lot of toxic parents, whether it's the mum or the dad or both parents or it's past. Yeah. Um, so what has been great is I've got so many books that I don't have time to read them. <laughs> and so I've got a number of books on toxic you know, relationships, toxic parents. So I've been able to, I've had a reason yeah. to actually sit. And it's fascinating, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, some of the, the things that, um, that's coming from it. And it's, it's also like learning more about um, a lot of people are being diagnosed with things like borderline personality disorder, yep. but they're being misdiagnosed yep. because when they're going in, they're just given this label, which, they, which is great because then they've got a label and, it, you know, they can deal with it. But a lot of it's down to complex PTSD. Yes. So it's not BPD. No. Um, but I think the NHS don't really know how to deal with trauma. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's um, easier to... Yeah. Yeah. If some labels sort of are easier for it them kind to of be fits. able to treat in the medical model yes. than others. And I think that's, that's this is I where we've maybe say. got a gap at the moment in our health services provided. Yeah. Yeah. Just some brilliant things. Mm-hmm. And I know there's certain things that if I had an issue, I would want to go to them. Yeah. To make, like the other day, my little boy fell down some stairs. So we went to accident and emergency because the doctors told us to go there. Yeah. And they gave him an x-ray. And that was good because I, I judged it that I thought he was okay, but I can't x-ray him myself. No. And that was something really useful. But there's a massive gap in terms of what they can provide for the physical body to what there is with the mental, emotional self. And I know that I work with a lot of people that feel that they've maybe reached a dead end very quickly in yeah. terms of the health service because mm. mental health isn't very well understood. It tends to be limited most of the time to here's a tablet to take yeah. and you tend to be put into certain categories, which it's often more complex than that. It's often, like you say, the underlying traumas mm. or the issues that need to be explored in order to shift something rather than just dealing with the symptom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I'm seeing that quite a lot as well. Um, so, but yeah, so that's that's an area that I'm quite interested in. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I mean, the, the, it's it's difficult as well though because I've I've got a lot of supervisees that are uh, students. Yep. Um, and they're in placement and they're in schools and so they work with children and it's 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 heartbreaking because a lot of the time you can't do anything about external yeah you know factors and. Which is why I don't counsel children. <laughs> no, and, and that's to be honest. Like my background's primary school teaching, and I used to mm. work in an area of deprivation, and there was a lot of additional need. Yeah. Um, and there was often sort of a lot of children's services involvement and social services, and it was really hard because there was a lot of those children that I just wanted to take them home with me. Yeah. And I wasn't able to, and I knew that all I could do was provide them with that safe environment 
which they weren't even able to really learn in that environment because no. there was so much trauma in their system. Yeah. And also often basic needs were not being met. Mm. But all I could do was in that window of that few hours, whilst also catering for another 29 children yeah. in the class, but then I had to send them home into an environment that perhaps I knew wasn't suitable for mm. them to be able to thrive. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of, what a lot of my student counsellors uh, feel. Mm-hmm. You know, they feel like they they're not doing enough, and it's like you're doing you're providing that hour where they've got somewhere safe to go, where somebody's listening to them. Yeah, because often they're not listened to at home at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it is what so what they're doing is I know they can't do anything about what's going on at home, which you're never going to be able to. Mm-hmm. But at least they're, they're... But they're allowing those children to be heard mm. and also possibly giving them some strategies so that they can build resilience in a positive way and also perhaps deal with things in a way that's going to help them more for their future to protect them more. Hopefully, and, and that's, yeah. that's planting important seeds, isn't it? But... Yeah, it's all they can do. It's, that's, you know, which, like you say, it's important mm-hmm. that they can, they can do something. Yeah. So obviously you're talking about toxic parents. What would you say... Well, what... What are the characteristics then of toxic parents if somebody was listening to this? Because I bet a lot of people are thinking, yeah, one of my parents were toxic when they are listening to this, or they know of a friend or somebody that's had a difficult dynamic with their parents. What are the sort of things you'd be looking out for? I I mean, there's so many. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the list is endless. Um, So, like, so for an example, um, my dad was a toxic parent. Okay. Um, so he was an he was an alcoholic, mm-hmm. um, but he was it was a manipulation, emotional okay. blackmail, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would get phone calls to say that he was dying. He's he's been told he's got cancer and he'll be dead by the time he's forty. I honestly thought he'd outlive us all, um, but he was very. It was like that. I mean, I mean, my my sister ended up just writing him off because mm-hmm. you know. Whereas I, he was my dad still, so I. But what what I did was I sort of compartmentalized. It didn't it didn't affect me in a in a negative yep. you know traumatic way or anything like that because I quite early on realized. I mean, my mum and dad had split up, so I yep. had a parent who was like you know kept us kind of mm-hmm. grounded and uh, so. But yeah, but for him it was yeah he was yeah. And I think that can have a huge impact as well. Can't I? I mean, obviously, like you say, you can have siblings um, within that same dynamic. And I think so it depends on like their natural predisposition and other factors as to how badly they're impacted. So you might have one member of the family that gets through it fairly unscathed, where another member of the family might be really traumatised yeah. by that. Yeah. But I think it's really hard when you're a child because your parents, are your parents, whatever, and you're, they're the sort of adult and they're the person that's re- responsible for yeah. you. And so I think as children, what we tend to do is if the parent is behaving in that way, it's internalised, so it yeah. becomes about blame and shame mm. that's all projected mm-hmm. onto that child, and it may be the adult is projecting that onto them as well. Yeah. But the child doesn't think, okay, my parent is an alcoholic or my parent is narcissistic. What they do instead is think of, I'm always doing something wrong. Yeah. And that's a yeah. huge complex to then have to carry through life, yeah. and that can have massive impact on sort of future stability of relationships, <laughs> abilities to keep employment or go for that dream job. Go yeah. for your inspiration and your aspirations because you never feel good enough or worthy enough. Mm. Yeah, and you still have, and you have like that. We've got adult clients that are actually still, they've got emotionally immature parents, and yeah. they're still acting. It's like the child's the parent. Yeah, it's like it switches roles, and you just, I don't know. I just think there should be a vetting process for to, to, having children. 
it should be like <laughs> a psychological testing or something mm-hmm. because some people I don't know I mean that you've, you've got the you've got the type of parents that will tell their children how stupid they are and how you know I've got one client who um not my client sorry a supervisee's client who her mum always tells her that she's fat you know she's a grown-up yeah. and it turns out her mum's bigger yeah but it's you know and and this is the thing is that I think the problem often comes from that we've got unhealed individuals mm. that then go mm. on to have children. Yes. And then that trauma, those issues then get passed so down re- from generation repeat. to generation. And it's this cycle. Yeah. And I know when I had children, particularly because I was far from healed, but I became very aware of sort of myself and not wanting to pass any of my insecurities or limitations on. And then sort of as I explored therapy and becoming a therapist more, I, I went through a little period of being absolutely terrified as I started working with my clients thinking, oh my gosh, anything <laughs> I could potentially say or do could mess up my children. <laughs> but then when I settled myself down, I realised, well, okay, I really need to sort myself out. Mm. I need to be clearing and shifting everything because that's not only going to sort of end the issue with me, it's going to stop it being passed on to my children and their children, but also it helps to heal the past. And it yeah. then this stops with me. Yeah, and that's really empowering. But I think if more of us came to that perspective of parenting, I mean, parenting isn't easy at all. Parenting is harder than when you've got the external pressures of having to keep a job, pay your bills, yeah. complexities of interaction with other people. Yeah. It is hard to be a parent, and I think most parents try their best. But if we're then projecting our own fears or insecurities or how we've been treated onto our children in a negative way, yeah. Yeah. it creates very toxic cycle it does yeah and and, and that's what you, we're seeing mm-hmm. um because it's learned behavior as well isn't it it's just it is. yeah i mean I, I i believe that uh i mean my son's so i've been a counselor about 10 years i, I literally qualified when my son was a newborn yeah yeah so i think my parenting is very different to what it would have been if i hadn't have been trained as a counselor definitely I, yeah I, def- I definitely believe that and, and i think Maybe that's what people need—a bit of like mm-hmm. doing a level two course just to give them a bit of just that insight. Those basic tools and insight, and yeah. I think I look back at sort of with my children, and I sort of feel like with my youngest. Obviously, I still make mistakes, but I think I've got yeah. it pretty right with her. But I had the two that came prior to that, and also my stepson, who's now almost twenty-one, um, where I made lots of mistakes. Yeah. And they were mistakes of different patterns that I'd picked up on mm. from my childhood and my own insecurities and fears. And I look back now and sometimes I oh, I can't <laughs> believe I said that in that way. Or I can't yeah. believe I told my daughter off for that when now I wouldn't approach it in that way. It's never anything extreme. I've no, always been no. very patient and kind and tolerant. But I think we all have those odd moments where we say or do it in the wrong way. And we look yeah. back after and think, oh, I really shouldn't have done that. Yeah. But you learn, and I think, like as you say, going through that process yeah. helps you to become a different parent. It does, and I, and I still do. You know, I still tell my son off, and, and then I think, oh, but I always go back, and I'll apologise if I think I'm wrong. And that's a huge thing, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I've gone back to all of my children at different points and said, actually, <laughs> in this situation, even if it's a long time ago, yeah. I told you off for this, and it's because at the time yeah. I was stressed or I was struggling to deal with my emotions, how I would have behaved instead yeah. now is I would have done this yeah so I've explained I've, I've apologized without the expectation of forgiveness but in our household we also 
trying to foster that idea of forgiving as well. So mm. if my children have made mistakes, not only is it about them apologising to put it right, it's also about me showing that I forgive you. Yeah. You're, I didn't like that behaviour, mm-hmm. but I love and accept you as a person yeah. and you aren't your behaviour. And I think yeah. that's really important. Yeah. And I wish lots of other adults knew that because if they could do that with their children and with themselves as well, yeah, everything would be so much more peaceful and harmonious within the home and within life. Within life, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, yeah, it's sad. To, so it's a worry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so obviously you were talking, and you said about toxic parents, and parents can be toxic for lots of reasons, but yeah. you touched upon like the word narcissism. And I know recently I'm hearing that word banded around quite a lot. Yeah. So can you just share with me a little bit more for the listeners what you feel narcissism is? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, again, I know, right? It's, the list is endless. I mean, I... I, I well, I'm looking around to see who's listening. Um, because everybody. Um, I, I watch a lot of... Um, programs on uh you like crime and murder like and gory crime. horror things yes, don't you <laughs> i do i do so I, yes i'm into the true crime i do like um and i and that's you know a lot of it you see um and it and it's it's i've been to quite a few events you know like mm-hmm. you know the friday night serial killer event um because you know why not and um you learn a lot about or, or you, you start to, because obviously you, you're learning about the, the person, you know, most, a lot of serial killers are narcissists. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of them, but most of them. Um, but then you're learning about their parents yep. and how they uh, grew up. So there's, um, I'm trying to think which one it was. I know there was, there was one serial killer and his mum was, oh no, he, he, he was a rapist and then he killed. Yep. Um, and his mum was the type who was like, well, it's, it was okay because he apologised. Mm-hmm. No, it's not okay yeah. that he apologised. He still, you know, I, I think he, I can't remember, then the, the, he went to prison, came out and he, he did it again and again. Um, and it, it, it was like his mum, obviously, he was not right mm-hmm. because she was, it was okay. Yeah. You know, so it's like that type of behaviour. How is it that, mm-hmm. you know, you're telling your child that, oh, it's all right to go and yeah. do stuff like that. So. So yeah, parenting can have a parenting huge, part huge to play. yeah a huge effect. I think I think it does very much depend on how they've been brought up. Mm. Um, not that I'm saying all you know you could grow up in a perfectly normal home yeah. and still become you know have narcissistic traits. But I think I mean I think we probably all have narcissistic traits anyway. And, and it is that we all have our ego and we all have that yeah. egocentrism in different aspects of ourselves to some extent but I think the narcissism is a more extreme end of the spectrum isn't it when it's all about the individual and obviously that can manifest in different ways so you can have that insecure type of narcissism where everything's that persecution and the person can feel very insecure or it could be that grandiose type of narcissism where the person thinks they're absolutely brilliant and wonderful and everybody should be worshipping them and listening to them so it manifests in lots of different ways depending on the circumstances of what's happened yeah and it's it's a lot of people don't see it as well. So you've got you've got not like people like like in domestic abuse cases, mm-hmm. and then you've got like the, the, the not it's always just the man, but in, I'm just thinking of an instance uh, that I can think of that yeah. it was a male, but they in for for everybody else the the face they put on is like completely different. No one would believe that they would be because they're just manipulating, and you know it's it's how they. Whereas 
That's a fly. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, audience. We've got distracted by a little fly in the room. Sorry, I just saw something in the corner of my eye. <laughs> At least it, it wasn't like a, a ghost. I know. <laughs> Don't say that. Um, but yeah. Um, so you've got that kind of narcissist as well, you know. But then, you like you say, you've got the type that, that they'll be in the victim role and everything's about, you know, it's all about them and everybody else are the persecutors. And you just think, mm-hmm. mm, really? And it's really hard then when you're in a dynamic with that, with a narcissistic person. Yes. Because it's all always going to be about them. And if you do mm-hmm. anything to displease them or that doesn't fit with their model of the world, then sort of that, there's a projection put on you of that, blame yeah and that can can produce a lot of guilt a lot of shame and it can make life very uncomfortable yeah and I think one of the things I've learned when I've been dealing with narcissistic behavior mm. is quite often not to get into an argument with a narcissist mm. because it never no really ends there's no point no and one of the most powerful things I've learned in those situations is just to say thank you for your perspective yes and walk and away leave it at that and walk yes. away um, but you can't do that if you're a child living at home with a parent that is narcissistic, narcissistic and it's all about no. them. No. And I think it's really hard as well if you're living with a narcissistic parent because who are you as your identity? Because it's almost like you're not seen as an individual within no. your own characteristics, your own personality, your own rights. Because I think you're always an extension of, of that other individual. And quite often, I mean, I, I've got people who I love that are very close to me yeah. that I would say their parents have been very narcissistic and it's always been about the need of the mother and what she wants and what she needs Mm. and when and how yeah and the child as the child was never really acknowledged there was that you've seen not heard you do what I want and then it's I still see now with that individual even though they've done remarkable things there's always that self-doubt that criticism that self-loathing to some extent that they're never going to feel good enough because they were never allowed to sort of express themselves, mm. partly because that adult maybe couldn't cope as well with that if they did have a temper tantrum or emotional outburst, yeah. maybe they couldn't regulate themselves as to how to deal with it. Mm. But because it was always about the parent, it was really hard then for that individual that I'm thinking of to create that sense of self-identity. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, as a child, you don't know what's going on, do you? You don't, you don't see it. And no. and that person, you, you know, you see them to two people as the you know mum and dad as the people that's supposed to love you and mm-hmm. care for you. And if they're if you're not, I don't know, nurtured and yeah, then yeah, still it's attachment into it. It's, it is, and and like, uh, that maybe links to a question I was going to ask you because I don't know the answer to this. I, I don't know if you do or not. But I was thinking, obviously, that narcissistic trait is that often linked with trauma within that individual itself is that maybe a protective mechanism that's put into place sometimes it can be okay yeah it can be i, I won't say all the time because you know that not not everybody that suffered some type of trauma will become a narcissist no um but it i think it depends that like going back to the uh you know the gory stuff mm-hmm. um that i mean they say that there's like certain it, it like a brain injury can cause yes you know so de- it not not depends where it is in the brain it's the part that affect. I think it's the front, the frontal part where, where it affects emotions and things like that, um, and that you, you'll see like traits from possible yeah. traits from people like. And, and the, you do need to take that into account as well, don't you? When you work with an individual, that as well as sort of our background and our life experience, there is also our 
biology mm-hmm. that can have an impact the actual structure of our brain and the functions that are taking place in the body as well as hormonal imbalances as well we're very complex oh yeah and i think that's why we need different types of therapies and different yeah. types of therapists and different professionals i was just having a conversation with my friend Maud this morning she's a very competent therapist and we were saying how nice it would be if over time more and more of us could come together mm. but in a very healthy way of it's not this is my way of working and it's better than yours yeah but in a way that we could all just say I've had this experience from this perspective or have you considered this or what works for me with my client yeah and it just to be almost like a healthy debate mm. because I think we could learn a lot and that's partly why I'm doing this podcast because there are so many different ways of working so many different yeah. viewpoints and so many success stories with different ways of working if we brought that all together yeah wow we could create something know, right? um and yeah. yeah I think it's really fascinating what you do and I think what you focus on is brilliant and then obviously sharing those gifts out to everybody else yeah well this is the thing as well when we're teaching I try to teach as many different like theories or whatever you know get as much in there as possible because all right people might not like this or that theory yeah but it's like you take what you need from it definitely but but you've got the tools then um so last last week I was teaching a supervision class and I introduced like five different uh, models mm-hmm. and then I asked the, the students at the end, you know, which one they preferred and they were like, there was one one of them that all of them were like, no, I don't like that at all. It's fine. Yep. Don't have to use it. Mm-hmm. But then there was one or two that they did like. So it was great. You've got something to work with. It's choice and flexibility, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm the same. I teach techniques-based courses. So I provide mm. a right, wide range of different tools and techniques from yeah. lots of different ways of thinking, lots of different sort of psychological mm. perspectives. But that's so that the therapist has got that choice and flexibility, but also then you've got more tools to cater for whoever sat in front of you. Mm-hmm. So one example of that would be on my hypnotherapy course. Um, on one of the weekends, I do an introduction to past life regression. Now, some people, that's really interesting and exciting. Yeah. Some people will think that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I'm never going to touch that. <laughs> However, I get everybody to do it within the course, yeah. whether they believe in it or not. If they never use it again, that it's doesn't fine. bother me. Yeah. But I want them to have that experience to mm-hmm. develop the skills because there is a specific skill set that goes with mm-hmm. it so that they can either apply those skills in a different way yeah. or if a client should ever spontaneously regress, because it might be the client's belief system, even if it's not the therapist's, which is key, Yes. they know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what I've said. It's not about what the counsellor or the therapist wants. It's about what the client needs. It is. Yeah. And I'm very much for that. I'm very much, it, it's about where the client's at. And I don't, yeah. I don't, it's not my job to impart my belief system onto no. the client. It's about working with their belief system yeah. and what's happened and helping to move them forward mm. within that context. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Although I don't think a lot of my, you know, students don't always... <laughs> Like, no, no. But, but then I think that's very different, isn't it? Sometimes <laughs> when you're learning about things. I know I've been on courses in the past where I thought, oh, I don't like that technique. Yeah. I'm never going to use that. I don't see the benefit of it. And then there's just been that one client that yeah. nothing's quite gone to plan. And I thought, ah, oh, I could just try that. I I'll didn't like it. So just, yeah. Yeah. And it's worked miracles. You're like, yeah. wow, okay, there was some value in that. And you don't always recognise it at the time. No. No, and I, I'm the same. I mean, the great thing about, for me, for teaching as well is it's sort of, it's like a refresher course for me as well when I'm teaching. Yes. And then you come in, you know, you start teaching something, you're thinking, oh, I've not used this one for ages. And then I can use that because yeah. that would really work for, because you end up using the same technique because you, you get comfortable. Because you get comfortable, It's habit, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you get getting dressed in the morning, too. You, you 
the same clothes are on the top of the drawer, so you just put them on all the time. Yeah. And it's like so much at the bottom that you haven't worn for years. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just the same with your, your therapy tools. It's, Most definitely. Yeah. And I love that for the same reason when I'm sort of training my students. So, oh, I haven't used this in a while. Yeah. It's sort of helping me to refresh sort of how I'm working with it or thinking about it from a different perspective yeah. again. Because I think we take different things at different times depending on our journey. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that as well. I think, um, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And then it's great because your students all come from different backgrounds as well. So there's like, there's so much, and they learn from each other as well, which is great. Yeah. There's so much. I mean, the, the classes I've got running at the moment, they're just they're fantastic. They're just, mm -hmm. it's so nice, you know, that it's, and obviously I'm not constrained, so I can teach how I want to teach. And, and I've got so much good feedback. I mean, we, we did an ethics module not long back, mm -hmm. which is, you know, like it's quite well, you, can, on, you it? can imagine. Yeah. yeah. And do you know what? They absolutely loved it. Great. Because what I did was I tried to make it more interesting yeah. and fun. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of exercises, a lot of debates, a lot of dilemmas, a lot of, you know, case studies and stuff like that. So that we got a lot of they got a lot out of it. Yeah. Um, and then I just left the boring stuff for them to read. And it's <laughs> great, though, that you're doing that because it's more memorable. Yes. And it goes in better mm -hmm. as well. So I think it, it's amazing sort of the different tools and techniques you're using. Yeah. And I think what you said before is it's, it's really useful having, I mean, I know you teach in fairly small groups, as yes. do I. And that is so that those students really get that time, not only with the trainer, but also with each other and developing yeah. each other. Because through those conversations and through working on each other practically, yeah. you learn so much. And I think what you said is really key, though, that different people come from different backgrounds. Yeah. And I think that's really important to remember, not only as a therapist, so you tend to have your therapeutic style and the way you like to work. Yeah. And that's okay if maybe you need to send a client somewhere else or likewise a client gets sent to you because your style's more preferential to them. Yeah. But I would also make a point that if anybody's listening to this as a client or potential client, mm. that we are all individual as therapists as well. So just because you've tried one type of therapy... If that therapy isn't working, it may be that you need a different type of therapy mm. or it may be that you do need that same type of therapy, but you just need a different person to deliver it. Yeah. And I go back to thinking about, so my experience, and I'd forgotten about this till I knew you were coming today, because <laughs> I was thinking about counselling. I had two experiences of counselling in my early adult years and they were completely different. They both were very transformative, one in a very positive way, one in a negative way. Right. So when I was first year at university, everything became very chaotic in my life. I think yeah. I'd already had sort of, I was quite an emotionally sensitive child. I had a lot of responsibility, a lot of traumatic things happened. And sort of already like through my teenage years, I was probably self-harming. I had lots of suicidal thoughts, had mm -hmm. a suicide plan in place. That was all quite private. Yeah. And I struggled. So I was already probably quite insecure, yeah. low self-esteem. But then in my first year of university, lots of external factors happened very quickly. So went to university, my parents split up and, and that's OK. Yeah. Um, things happen. I recognised that they were adults, but I, what I wasn't aware of was how many other people would hold me accountable or responsible for that in the sense that I had grandparents and other relatives ringing me up, asking me to fix it. And I was like, I'm 18 years old and I'm at university. What do you think I can do? Yeah. So that was a very strange scenario. Mm. I then had, obviously, I was in a relationship with Pete, who's now my husband, but that was, it was horrendous. Our, our relationship was toxic. It was awful. And 
we've moved through that. We've moved a long way past oh, that through our healing. <laughs> yeah, it's not there anymore. But it wasn't nice. And it, it sort of added to those feelings of being where I was struggling. Mm-hmm. And then sort of my granddad got cancer and he passed away. So as well as sort of starting university, as well as being on placements, I had all of these other things going yeah. on. And it got too much. Mm-hmm. And I got to breaking point. So I went to... Um, student union or wherever it was and they got me in touch with a counsellor so I went to see this counsellor and that was my negative experience I have got a very positive experience with counselling coming up Um, and I think it was really transformative in a good way but when I got sent to the first counsellor I think one of the key things is I didn't choose that person Mm. I was they I was sent to them because they were obviously on the books or whatever it was and I think sometimes when you perhaps go to the NHS or some of the other charities, you get sent to somebody to yes. do it for you. And one of the key things was I didn't feel I had a rapport or connection yeah. with that individual therapist. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like the question she was asking me was relevant. And I think I was in very adult scenarios and there was a lot of responsibility and expectations on me. So I felt very much like I was an adult, whereas she approached me more like I was a teenager or a child. And it was right. just a complete mismatch. Yeah. And I sort of went away after those two sessions and she's like, yep, you're sorted, you're fine. And I thought, I'm really not. (laughs) Um, But it made me think, right, I'm going to have to become reliant on myself here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to fix and sort myself out because there's no one there that can help me do it. So actually, it was a really good impetus for growth because it made me think, right, I need to take responsibility and sort this out. But that's obviously not what counselling probably should have been. I think I probably needed that more supportive role. Yeah. However, that didn't put me off counselling. I then had another experience of counselling. Once again, like I say, me and Pete were not in a... It was a dysfunctional relationship. After we moved in together and after, like, a billionth argument and one time he sort of stormed out and didn't know whether he was coming back and he sort of disappeared for the weekend, I decided we were going to relationship counselling. And I know you don't like relationship counselling as an actual therapist, but that was transformative. He wouldn't come with me, um, so I went by myself to relationship (laughs) counselling. Um, which is maybe not quite conventional (laughs) but she was phenomenal this lady and I wish I knew her name or a way of contacting her now um I think it was with Relate and she was just incredible she was so patient with me she asked brilliant questions that really got me thinking and analyzing in a different Mm. way and it completely freed me up to re like to approach everything that was going on in a completely different way and I think without that Pete and I certainly wouldn't have been together and we'd have probably still been going on our own separate paths as two dysfunctional adults. Mm, mm. So I'm really grateful for that. And I'm also grateful for that having that other experience that maybe didn't suit me mm. because it showed me from that personal perspective that it is such a personal thing. Yeah. And it's important that you have the right therapist for you. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, and that's the, that's the thing. You, cause you, can't, you can't gel with everybody. No. You know, you could turn up to see a counsellor and think, you know, they remind you of somebody that is toxic or yeah. is not a very nice person or anything, and it's okay. It is, isn't yeah, it? It's okay, yeah. I mean, like, a lot of student counsellors will say they, that somebody came and they didn't come back, and it's like, oh, my God, what did I do? It's like, yeah. it's, not, it's not about you. It's not, no. No, it's, about, think... the ther- it's about the, the client, you know. Yeah, and that's really important to remember, isn't it, that it is all about the client, and yeah. we're there to help them, but also... Sometimes we just won't be the right person no. for them, and it's nothing personal against us. No, it's it's hard when you want to absolutely help everybody and make a big difference. Yeah, but obviously I was quite lucky in that scenario that I was very open minded and went back and 
attempted yeah, counselling again. Yeah, because a lot of people again. don't. Yeah. So, I mean, from my first-hand experience then, I just thought it was this lady asking me a few rude questions and being quite condescending, <laughs> which obviously counselling isn't that it's at not, all. No. But there might be other people out there that have maybe not had the most positive experience with counselling. So could you just give a brief overview of what counselling is about and what it should be when it's done well? Well, I mean, counsel, for, I mean, for me, it's about letting the client have that space to, you know, to do what they want. Whether it, If they want to sit in silence the whole time, they can sit in silence. You know, mm-hmm. if they want to sit and cry all the time, they cry. If they want to talk, yeah. they talk. Um, and it's not about asking loads and loads of questions. That's more of a CBT approach. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, if you've got somebody, somebody who's like, quite resistant, you switch. Yeah. You switch into something different, you know. So it may be that, you know, writing or drawing or whatever, you know, it's not always. I mean, people just sometimes struggle with expressing their emotions verbally. But, you know, for me, it's about letting that person know it's a safe space for them just to... And I don't ask loads of questions. So basically, the first question I'd ask is, like, um, you know, something like, oh, how can I help? And then just let them... Yeah, and I, I I don't do like loads of assessment questions and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter to me what you know what any of that you know I've seen assessment sheets and I've just thought what is what is the relevance of well, why do we need to know this information if it's important it will be brought into the room yes and this is what I say to my students and all my student counsellors you know if don't get caught up on something mm-hmm. let them just keep going because if it's important to them they'll come back to it yes. And that is what that is what it's it's all about. It's about the mm-hmm. client giving the client the time and the space. Yeah. Not about firing loads of questions at them and trying to fix them, mm-hmm. because what we're trying to do is empower the client. Yep. And help them find the tools or the solutions to their own problems. It's mm-hmm. they're doing the it's, they're doing the work really. We're just sort of like a guide that's yeah. sort of just there to support them and provide that safe environment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important, that concept of holding space for another person, because I think a lot of us don't have anyone that can do that for us, because if we said things that we were feeling to our family or friends, it might trigger them, it might then feel bad or feel guilty or make them angry or cross, or they may feel like a failure. So it's really hard to say to somebody that you know, I'm in a difficult space. And there's also that fear of being judged or being looked upon as less than you are. So I think being able to just go and have that open conversation with another person that isn't judging you and also just to be able to sometimes, I know it really benefits me just to verbalise things sometimes and get it out of my head. Yeah. Because when you hear it said out loud, (laughs) it feels like it's no longer stuck in your head, but it makes space for new ways of thinking about it to come forwards. Yeah. And obviously in in counselling, we we like reflect and paraphrase back so that we're clarifying the understanding. So we're showing the client that we're listening Mm-hmm. And that we actually care about their story. We're not interjecting our own opinions, our advice, like you would if you were a friend. Yeah. You know, because you'd straight away you say, oh, I'm having a difficult time. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, you can't be as bad as mine or whatever. It's like, <laughs> yeah. which is not. So, you know, we're actually just being there for them to have somebody that actually is just completely 100% listening to them mm-hmm. and not, not anything else. Yeah. And, and I mean, I take my hat off to you as a counsellor because... Obviously, I, I work in a very different sort of yeah. way. But I think that ability to be able to listen that intently to perhaps lots of people a day, mm. I think is such a special gift mm. to be able to offer. And I think yeah. that's really amazing. It is. And a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I'm a good listener. I'm like, mm, are you though? <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> listening's not that easy. 
I'm a rubbish listener. <laughs> I can do it in the context of work. So when I have a consultation yeah. with a client, because that's my role, because mm-hmm. I, I work thinking quite a different way. That's sort of an information gathering exercise for me during that consultation. Yeah. So my cogs are turning to think, right, this is the strategy I could use. We could do this, that or the other. And then when they come back, it tends to be quite an approach where we're finding out the structure of thought and then we're doing something to change the structure mm-hmm. of a thought. So it's quite hands on. I know if I had to listen all the time, I'm not very good at it. I find it really yeah. hard. Mm. And I'm not the best listener. I'm not the best listener in my home or with other people. <laughs> I really have to concentrate on listening. Yeah. I can do it. But yeah. I can only do it for a limited amount of time because I think because I'm so energetic and because I'm always moving and doing, yeah. I find that very hard to do. So I, I think it's absolutely amazing. But like you say, listening is a real skill. Oh, yeah. 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 We're well, just teaching listening to our level threes at the moment. And it's like so much information just on listening yeah. that you don't realise and, mm-hmm. and how to show you're listening and how to make sure you're listening. And, and I know students straight at the beginning, they'll be like too busy thinking about what's Yes. Yeah. What what to do next or what can I do? What kind of question can I ask? And so, you know, we, we limit the skills. So we're like, right, we're just going to do active listening and reflecting. So all you have to do is listen to what they're saying. Yeah. And just get that into practice because yeah. it is really difficult. And I think also because so many of us have different insecurities or thoughts or mm. it goes back to maybe that egocentrism sometimes. Even in normal day to day conversations, often people are not really just present in the moment listening actively to what the other person's saying they're thinking in their head how can I respond to this yeah and quite often you'll hear a response well that's not even what the person said because the person's gone internal so I think it's it is developing that to become aware of what's happening in that moment with what that other person is saying yeah and what they're communicating yeah and I think we should teach that and it's like I say it's something I can do but it's something I've had to learn yeah um over time and you can learn these skills um, and I wish they just taught them in school because oh, actually right. if we could teach active listening and we could yeah. teach communication skills and we could teach sort of therapeutic interventions. Yeah. Well, things could be different. I keep saying this almost to every I person I speak to. I know. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that as well. I mean, I know that they sometimes do, um, they've been doing like mindfulness a bit and that sort of thing, haven't they? So that's, mm. that's not bad. But yeah, my, my son's not very good at actively listening. <laughs> Yes, yeah, like, but then we have different learning styles in different contexts yeah. as well, don't we? That's and it, it. Yeah. If I sent him a message, it'd, it'd be fine because mm-hmm. you know, if it cause I sent it through his computer, yes, yes, <laughs> straight away. If it, in fact, I don't even. I mean, we. I use his um, a lamp in his bedroom to um, communicate with him. <laughs> if I want him to come downstairs, I just turn it red, and then he just shouts off. That's in amazing. A We're not... just, you've got to adapt. We're not quite so technically advanced in our house. So what I have, like, my daughter's sort of approaching being a teenager now, and she's often on her phone with headphones in or whatever. Yeah. The method in our house is I've got a broom handle, and so when it comes oh, yeah. to meal times or I want her, I bash the ceiling a few times. She knows it's time to come down. <laughs> um, or I could simply text her, and then I'd probably get yeah. a response even quicker. To be honest, yeah. But, um... No, I just turn his lamp red. That's amazing. And I can do that from my phone or I can do it from the Alexa, you know. And, it's, and then I, I, all I hear is, I'll be down in a second. Oh, yeah. Pretty cool. I might have to consider getting something like that, although yeah. the internet's terrible here. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're out. Yeah, I'm out in the sticks. Yeah. So we're about to come to an end. So have you got, and I know this is a big question, any final thoughts or anything key that you would like to 
Oh my gosh, get out there to listen. <laughs> Sorry. On the spot. It is on the spot. It's like mental doing... math. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I like to set a challenge oh. for my people that come and talk with me. I like yeah, to keep I you don't... on my t- your toes. I don't know. No, I would just say keep an open mind to counselling and uh, and 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 the other holistic type therapies as well because you know they all. I think that is the thing. It's the key of keeping the open mind and just remembering different things work for different people. Yeah, and and that's okay. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I'm sceptical about... I was sceptical about Reiki. Yeah. Um, I was sceptical when I did my integral eye movement therapy training. Yeah. As, you know, but it it works. It works, yeah. So, you know, I, but like I say, I always keep an open mind. Yeah. Um, I'm not, like, against it, but I'll give it a go. And I'm very much the same. I'm, I'm yeah. happy to have an open mind, give things a go, and if it doesn't resonate with me, it doesn't yeah. mean that it yeah. doesn't work for other exactly. people. It's just that maybe it's not suited to me at that moment in time. Yeah. See, my mum thinks the Reiki thing's all woohoo. But my yep. son is like, oh, yeah, do it on me. Yeah. And he loves it. <laughs> Which is amazing, isn't yeah. it, as well, to be able to give, like, a youngster yeah. that gift as well that they feel is benefiting them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, obviously, if anybody's interested in training to be a counsellor, obviously you're based in Lincoln, Lincoln. in the UK, yeah. Lincolnshire, um, but lots of people travel now. They're starting to travel to you from further afield, aren't yeah, they, to work they with you? Yeah, um, What is your training company called? So we're called Concilium training college mm-hmm. so i chose concilium because it uh, is the latin for counselor nice. or counseling so that's what we went with um yeah so it's concilium training college we've got a website and we've got a you know so mm-hmm. and we are very uh big on communication and on the students being the key as well so um so yeah brilliant well mm. thank you ever so much You're for coming welcome. and chatting with me i've really enjoyed it and <laughs> I'm sure we could carry on for many more hours if we I know, had the right? time. That went really quick. It's gone really now fast. Now I know how my clients it? feel when they go, oh, it's time already. <laughs> Is it? Yes. So thank you ever so much for listening. Whatever you're doing, I hope you have a really great day and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Take care and bye-bye for now. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you are interested in what we do, please go to my website, www.tranquil-awakenings.co.uk. As well as information on the therapies I offer, there is also links to my Past Life Regression Therapists programme and my professional hypnotherapy training programmes. If you are looking for online training for self-development, please go to debbieison.thinkific.com and also remember to follow me on social media simply on Facebook, type in Tranquil Awakenings to find my business page and I'm also on Instagram. I love hearing from you. Please do send any comments or questions and if you have any ideas of what you would like me to talk about on future episodes, please do send me a message.